0: Okay, Revelation 20. And we're going to deal with the subject tonight, reigning with Christ. Reigning with Christ. So let's just kind of get a running start in the chapter. I know we've looked at these verses in the beginning, but let's just skim over them uh, and cover this again. It's been a little bit of time. It's been several Wednesday nights, I think, since we've been on the subject of the end times and prophecy. So Revelation 20 verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. All right. So this great chain of verse 1 is being used by this angel to bind the devil. And the great chain is not iron or any other kind of metal. To see that, we'll have to go back to the book of Job. Look at Job 41 and verse 27. Job 41 and verse 27. Job was the first uh, book of the Bible chronologically that was written. And it was written before the law was given, and it was written after the flood. It was written after the flood because the flood is mentioned, but the law is not mentioned. So, after the flood sometime, Job put this down in writing. Job 41, verse 27. And this would have been the first book of the Bible that was in existence. Job 41, verse 27. And this is dealing with a description of the devil, that old serpent... Or the dragon, he's called. And in this description, in chapter 41, we find in 27, verse 27, He esteemeth iron as straw, and brass as rotten wood. So iron wouldn't hold him. Brass wouldn't hold him either. Iron being a harder metal. It's just straw to him. So the the great chain that is used... To bind the devil, uh, as we read there in Revelation chapter 20, verse 2, is is described as a thick darkness. If you look at 2 Peter, head back toward Revelation, and just before you get to Revelation, you'll run into 2 Peter chapter 2. And Peter describes here how the how the devil is bound. It's a thick darkness. That's used. And it holds him the way that chains hold things. So we're familiar with chains, and it holds him that same way. And he's not able to get out of the bottomless pit for a thousand years during the millennial reign of Christ. And that'll be the first time ever that the devil has not been present on the earth, you know, since the creation of man. He's always been able to roam about. This will be the first time that he's taken off of the scene. And then uh, chained up. So you notice there in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. That's what holds those angels. To be reserved unto judgment. So back in Revelation chapter 20. That angel comes down from heaven having a key of the bottomless pit. And if you look back in chapter 6. The angel called a star, and the star comes down out of heaven. Stars and angels are connected in the Bible. And it, that star comes down out of heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and opens up that bottomless pit, and all these grotesque monsters come up out of there and, and go on the earth's surface. Well, he takes that, that uh, chain, and he binds him. He has a great chain in his hand and binds him. Verse 2, he lays hold on the dragon that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So, being bound for a thousand years, chap, uh, verse 3, cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So, I'll put it up here on a, on a timeline. To look at it, and we're going to look at some of these events that take place during this kingdom age. And really, in order to understand the end times, you have to understand dispensations. Prior to the cross, you have the Old Testament, after the cross, you have the New Testament. And at the beginning of the New Testament era, You have a parenthetical section that we've been teaching about. That's the the church age. The church age lasts about 2,000 years. So right here you have the church age. And roughly 2,000 years. So we're at the end of it. And we're just waiting to hear that trumpet blast. And then after the church age, as we've said, and I know it just probably is just like, you know, we've heard this again and again and again, but uh, repetition again is the mother of learning. The rapture closes out the church age, and then you have this brief period that begins with the rapture of the church and ends with the second advent of Christ. Let me do this here. Yep. Yep. You have all those things that happened during that tribulation period. Let's just, uh, I'll draw a line down here. This is the trib period during this time, seven years, okay? And here's the second advent, and that marks the end of the tribulation period. And it also marks the beginning of the kingdom age. So you have the church age, now you have the kingdom age. And what I want to show us tonight, what I want us to look at, is to see that the kingdom age is different than the church age. There's a difference between the kingdom that we have now, which is spiritual, the kingdom of God, it's in your heart, okay? There's a difference between that kingdom and the kingdom here, the 1,000-year reign of Christ. So this lasts for 1,000 years, that's one difference. This one is a literal physical on the ground, Kingdom, okay. Um, So you have one thousand years there. The conclusion of the kingdom age is marked by the devil being set free again. So he comes up at the end of the thousand years. Here, when Christ comes back at the second advent, Satan is bound. Satan bound with a thick chain of darkness. He's bound down here, and then he's loosed. For a season, it says. And he's loosed to stir up a rebellion. Now, it is just incredible to think that the second person of the Trinity, Christ himself, God and and, and a human body, can reign on earth. Okay? And at this time, you know, he has dealt out judgment. He's cast people uh, into the lake of fire. Satan has been bound. All of that, it's just incredible that mankind, with no help from the devil, they're not influenced by the devil during this point, right? <clears throat> they, at the end of this thing, will end the kingdom age in failure, just like every other dispensation that man has dealt with. The church age ends with failure. The The Old Testament, the law, the, the uh, dispensation of the law, that ends in failure, you know? Prior to that, human government with Noah, that ended in failure. Prior to that, you know, under the period of the conscience, that ended in failure. Every age ends in failure on the part of man. And it's just incredible that after, you know, seeing Jesus himself ruling with a rod of iron, that they could rebel against him, but they they do. And so when he's loosed, he stirs up a rebellion. And then you have a battle there at the end that the Lord just swiftly deals with them. And then you have this resurrection on the last day, this resurrection, and you have the souls of men and women and boys and girls brought up here before the great white throne judgment. And we studied about um, the earth being destroyed at this time, and then there being a new heaven and a new earth, a second one. So the first earth that we're on right now is destroyed. And so uh, Beth's dad was fond of saying it's all going to burn. You know, so don't don't get too mixed up in materialism and things on this earth. It's all going to burn. And he was right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's 2 Peter 3. He's going to purify this earth which is defiled uh, by us and by bloodshed, by wars, uh, so, that is destroyed. Then there's a new heaven and a new earth. This is Revelation 21. So, we're in Revelation 20, and the subject of Revelation 20 is the, is the uh, kingdom. Re- the subject of Revelation 21 is the future eternal age. The new heaven and new earth. So, Revelation 21 is eternity. Okay? So, we're going to look at that, and what we're looking at is this period right here. The Lord comes back to conquer... And we will talk about it more, but this is Armageddon. You've heard about that. And this here is another battle called Gog and Magog. It's after the millennium. Yes. Yet people still sin, and that's because they still have a sin nature. <clears throat> and they have, their own, they have the power of personal choice. So having the sin nature and personal choice, that will be enough to cause a rebellion against Christ. So that, that, old, that old alibi, the devil made me do it, uh, God's not buying that. Holy <laughs> huh? The Holy Spirit. Yes. Yep, Holy Spirit's still there, even dealing with people, and they're resisting that. And uh, Yeah. Yep. And even with him in the flesh, they will still not receive him, not accept him. Yeah. He was right there, and they still rejected him. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And so that's what we're looking at is this period right here. Um, So let's look at it there in verse 4. In verse 4, And I saw thrones... And they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. So, John is seeing in his revelation, he's seeing thrones right here in the kingdom. Thrones upon the earth. Uh, And he says, judgment was given unto them. Okay? Those that sat upon the thrones. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded... For the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast. Okay, so that tells us when these people were beheaded and martyred. Well, it was during the tribulation period. Neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And that all that technology, if it is, I believe it's in the skin. Yes, ma'am. Yes come back with him. okay, we do yeah we do we come back with him so that's a very very good question so during the tribulation period which we're reading about people who were martyred during the trib uh, we're up here at the judgment seat of Christ we're being judged whether it's in the third heaven or in the first heaven you know we're caught up into the clouds to meet him maybe he he Judges us there in the first heaven or in the second heaven. I think, I tend to think it's the third heaven. But one way or another, it's not on earth. So we are being judged during the tribulation period while all of this is going on down here. So we're not in any danger of taking the mark of the beast. Uh, We're not being, also we're not being rewarded like these people are. We're rewarded for something different. So does that make sense? And then when Christ returns, we return with him. And also the martyred saints, the people who are martyred here, they return with Christ as well. So are we really tempted? No. Then when we, are, <clears throat> when we are caught up, we are changed and we're given a glorified body. And thank, and thank God we will no longer have the old nature, the old man. Because we have two natures. Mhm. Yep. And thank God we won't even want to sin anymore because we won't have that old nature. So we will, we will be ruling with Christ, and we will be astounded by the way that people rebel against him. And I think at that time it will make us once again just glorify God and, and worship him because he, he received us by grace through faith, even though we have this sinful nature that is just so just bent against him. So does that, does that make sense? Okay, so yeah, so we will come back. <clears throat> we will not uh, ever be judged again. After this, after the judgment seat of Christ. So, um, that's just for church-age saints. Just church-age saints. Judged here, not judged here. Yeah, and then we'll come down, have the marriage supper of the Lamb here. Which we should, we'll make one whole study on that. We'll do that. So, does that make sense? Judge. Yes. But we judge rewards? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we were judged, very good point as well. We were judged here for our sins. That's where we were judged at Calvary, judged for our sins, guilty. Guilty as charged. Christ was treated like he was guilty of what we did. And all our sins, you know, he he suffered for them, paid the penalty for them. Here, we are judged for our works. The things done in the body, whether good or bad. At the judgment seat of Christ, not for sins. Yeah, very good point. Anything else? Because anything that you're adding to this right now is really helpful. Anything else? Okay, just if you have a question, please stop me. And now it says here that these who were martyred during the tribulation period, it says that they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So Jesus said, if you believe in me, Uh, you will never die, you know. And he was talking about eternal life. So they died here, martyred, and then they lived again here and will live, you know, for all eternity. So there are martyred saints from the tribulation period that come back with him. And then there are tribulation people who live and walk right on into the kingdom. And those people who live through the tribulation, because remember he said, if I don't cut it short then no flesh would survive. So there is flesh that survives, walks right on into the kingdom age. They're the ones who have children who still have the sin nature. And those are the ones that at the end will rebel against him. And there will be such a population that it says that the, the people who are gathered together against Israel to come and kill him again. <laughs> it's always Israel. They, they, they surround Jerusalem. They want to attack Jesus and his people. And it says that the number is as the sand of the sea. So next time you're at the beach, pick up a big handful of that sand and just let it uh, sift through your fingers and drop out of your hand. And just think about that as the sand of the sea, not just a handful on the shore. I mean, a a great multitude of people. No, no. A whole lot better to get saved now under grace. Yes, yes. So. There will be a great multitude that rebels against him and are judged for it. But there will be also a great multitude that is saved out of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if, if God did not do this, if he did not judge uh, the wicked, he wouldn't be God. Yeah. So God is going to judge. Um, and that's why I've said that God is love. Yes. Yes. God is love. But God is also wrathful. He's also Holy. He's just, and, um, and he will judge the, the wicked, the unbelievers. So, <clears throat> um, and then there is a, we, we can't get into it tonight, but there is a degree of suffering and punishment, depending on what people do uh, with their lives. So he is fair. We can count on him for being that way. Uh, the only time that God is not fair is when he saves us, because it's not fair, and we don't deserve it, you know, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, But verse 5, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, okay? So what I'd like to say about um, verse 4 and verse 5, the rest of the dead here, they go down into hell. And they don't come back up again. They don't live again. They're in death, spiritual death. Death, uh, technically speaking, is separation from the soul and the body and separation from God. So they don't come up again until the great white throne judgment, and they're judged there. So those are the rest of the dead that were not martyred and, you know, for you know, uh, the word of God and for the name of Jesus and so on. Now, uh, it says that these people who were martyred reign with him. There are three groups that get to reign with Christ during the kingdom. So let's look at those three groups. We're going to have to turn to the Bible passages. The first group is found in Matthew 19, verse 28. You know, the nice thing about all this is that really all I'm doing is just I've got the verses down that teach these things, and all I'm doing is just briefly explaining what the Bible says. And I'm taking you to show it. And I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of Bible teachers who have lived for years before me who helped to organize this material. And uh, so really the church is being taught uh, not just by the existing pastor, the Bible teaching pastor, but by men who have been gifted uh, and have put this material together and organized it. And then I go through Bible, uh, Bible school and, and I learn it and I spend three years in intense study and writing down notes and then all I have to do is uh, to study it for myself, like a good Berean, you know. Uh, you, should, you should not just believe something because I say it. You know, write down the notes and the references and go home to study it and see if that is in fact what the Bible says, you know. And, uh, and that's what I did, and then that brings me to where I am tonight. And then passing on what's been given to me, and that's what we're supposed to do. I don't have anything original up here. I'm just repeating, you know, what the Lord taught the apostles. I don't have anything original. Uh, But he says in 2 Timothy 2.2, The things which thou hast heard of me, Paul said, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. And that's what we're doing in the church age. All right, so let's look at uh, Matthew 19, verse 28. And notice here, this first group is the 12 apostles. The 12 apostles of Christ during his earthly ministry. They reign with Christ. So uh, Matthew 19, 28 says here, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, That ye which have followed me in the regeneration, When the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, Ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, Judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay? So Jesus said that if you, you followed me, I'm going to have you judge the nation of Israel. You see that at the end, the tribes of Israel. The 12 apostles will reign with the Lamb of God, and they will reign over Israel in the land. So they will be over there on the other side of the globe, right there beside the Mediterranean Sea, and they they will be reigning over Israel, but Israel will have much bigger land at that time. The real estate that they have will be expanded. They're going to reign. Okay, so you know what else this verse proves? It's interesting uh, to think about this and see if you study the Bible and you pay attention to what you're learning and what it's saying, you know, and where it's saying it and to whom it's saying it to. this, This verse actually proves that the kingdom on earth now is not the same as the one that was prophesied in the Old Testament. In other words, in the Old Testament, there, was a, there were many, many prophecies about a kingdom that would come, and it described this one here. And that verse proves that it was not referring to the kingdom now, the kingdom of God that is in your heart. It proves that it's different. It's different because when the Old Testament prophets looked forward into the future... They did not, they saw a suffering Messiah, but they saw him together with the Messiah who would reign. And what they saw was they saw this. They did, they. Yes. Yep. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. And someone, I believe it was Larkin who described it this way. I don't know if he's the first one. But what he saw, what an Old Testament prophet saw. Imagine this is the the eye of the Old Testament prophet. And he's looking down through the corridors of time because he's a prophet. And God gives him revelation of the future. And what you have here is you have the, the, this is supposed to be a mountain. (laughs) This is the first advent, first coming of Christ. And the second advent advent and the prophets saw them together they did not see the valley of the church age and the kingdom of god they didn't see this so that's how it's illustrated and i think it's a good uh, illustration it helps us to understand that and this verse proves it jesus said if you're faithful to me in the regeneration okay Regeneration in the Bible, you've heard me say it before, it's only used two times. One time in referring to your soul that's regenerated, generate to, to be born again. Uh, it's referring to you personally, your personal new birth, and it's referring to the regeneration of the earth. The Lord renovates the earth at the beginning of the kingdom, and it will be like a Garden of Eden all over the earth. It'll be a very fruitful time. He does that at the beginning. Jesus says, in the regeneration, later on Paul would explain what that means. In the regeneration, you will reign with me. It proves that they're not the same. Yes, sir. Right. Here, yes. The, the mystery. Yes. Yes. Yep, that's a, that's a mystery church age. And that's what uh, we've been studying in Ephesians, right? yeah we've been studying on Sunday morning Sunday school the mystery, and that's absolutely it, so mystery prophets in the Old Testament did not see it because it wasn't it wasn't prophesied, and so anyways, we better not keep going, we'll just keep going down the rabbit hole there, yes ma'am no, no, and we know that because the way that the disciples responded to Jesus when he started talking about his passion, when he would suffer, they didn't get that. They didn't get the resurrection. They didn't understand that. Yeah. They, all, they, all they saw was Jesus was, the Messiah would come, and they saw, they didn't see a first and a second advent, they just saw one advent. The Messiah would come, and then he would be this ruler who would come down, and... uh Like, uh, take care of business. That's a nice way I can say it. There's other things that come to mind from the military, but I can't say those. I don't talk like that anymore. He comes back. He handles business. That's what they saw. That's what the disciples were expecting him to do and set up his kingdom. The modern-day Jew, no. They're partially blinded, and so you can't trust a modern-day Jew uh, in Bible study. Um, They can be very helpful in helping you to understand the Old Testament Jewish life. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and the Jews that get saved now—they yes, they're very good Bible teachers because they have the same Holy Spirit we do. Um, and uh, yes, sir. Yes. Okay. How about those that's not an Israelite? Okay, that's that's a good question. That kind of leads us into the the next group that will reign. And that's us. That's church-age saints. So to see that, let's look at 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 12. And we could look at where Jesus talks about, you know, if you take up your cross and follow me, uh, you'll reign with me. And, but Paul, he explains it to us because he's our apostle, apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, he said, I magnify my office. Uh, and so, Second Timothy two verse twelve, who will reign over the rest of the world? If the Jews are in the land, that's the question. Reigning over Israel, who will reign over the rest of the world? And that's us, and that's also tribulation saints. But but that's us. So I think what will happen is Jewish tribulation saints will reign around their you know Israel, and I think that Gentile tribulation saints will reign along with the church age saints around the world. So that's what I think. All right. And then the Lord's going to straighten us all out when we get to heaven on all this stuff. (laughs) Amen. But we can know what we know for sure because it's just so clear. Um, So 2 Timothy 2 verse 12. All right. So if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So this is Conditional. This is not like uh, the you know, the gospel of the grace of God. You're justified by faith alone. That's unconditional. This is conditional. It depends on what you do. God's done his part. You have to do your part if you want to reign with him. So not every church-age saint will reign with him. If we uh, suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. So what do you think... Uh, Paul meant with suffering. How do how do Christians suffer during the church age? Um, I'm kind of liking this. I, I didn't like it when I first got here, but I like it now. This interacting during the teaching and being kind of like a facilitator sometimes as a teacher. Persecution would be the first one that's very very obvious, huh? Yes. So you suffer with Christ when people try to hurt you for what you believe and standing for Christ, standing for the Bible. And it could be physical persecution. It could be legal persecution. It could be just rejection and being cast out of your family and being uh, shunned. Uh, What else? How else do you think we suffer? I think we suffer in fighting against sin. If we fight against sin, because Paul would talk about, or maybe it was the writer of Hebrews, you've not yet... uh, resisted unto blood in striving against sin. I to have a family member somebody close to you not that Yes. Amen. Amen. I, I agree. So that's another aspect of it. You tried to witness him and they won't. And then what about like uh, two people get married. Um, in 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 class, in my class in Marietta, a student came up to me and asking me for advice and I was just like Ugh. I'll I'll tell you what the Bible says, but you should just ask your pastor. I'm always careful about giving advice. You know, uh, he said, well, back in in my country where I live, the island that I live on in the Philippines, there's a woman who's about in her 40s, and she got saved. She got gloriously saved, but her husband's a Catholic, and he doesn't want anything to do with it. And so he said that the husband um, deserted her and has left her and has been gone for, he said, I think it's almost seven years now. And I said, well, has he hooked up with somebody else? Or is he just, and he said, no, no, he just keeps telling her that if she'll come back and be a Catholic, then they can live together again. If not, otherwise he, he's doesn't want to live with her. And so I took him to 1 Corinthians seven. That's what deal. That's where that uh, passage there deals with that kind of that exact issue right there. And see, there's people that Paul said, if you get saved and your spouse doesn't get saved, but your spouse is okay living with you, then just live with them and try to be a good witness and just witness with your life. And it might be that they'll get saved. But then he says, if you get saved and then your spouse leaves you, that'd be the suffering part. Your spouse leaves you uh, for what you believe in, then, you know, hopefully it can be reconciled and things can be put back together. But in the meantime, you're suffering. And if that person leaves you and then marries someone else, well, that's it. You know, you're never going to be able to go back to that. Yeah. Yep, and, and and it's an unequal yoke right there. So that's suffering. Uh, and then I think suffering if you're doing it as unto the Lord, suffering in this body because of you know the limitations, the weakness and sickness of this body, but you say, Lord, I'm gonna take this for you, and I'm gonna suffer through this for your glory, and I'm just gonna take it by faith, I don't understand it. I think that probably is added in there too, but God will take care of her. Yeah. Amen. Yep. And he will. He will. And she was deserted. And so I told him, I said, look, I can, I'll can. i tell you the passage of the Bible, First Corinthians 7, verse 13. Take that to her. Tell her about that and tell her to talk to her pastor. So, all right. Anything else as far as suffering? So, if, yes. i ask you going to evangelize the world seven years. Yeah. Right. But they're, but they're saved people. Yeah, I don't. I just they're saved. Yeah. They're saved, but he just the world. I I wonder. I what I would what I would assume is that the Lord is kind of preparing them, and then they're going to be activated after the rapture. But I wonder, maybe, maybe not. But I would assume anybody here who's saved and in the body would be in the body of Christ and would have to go up at the rapture. But maybe the Lord has a different plan there with it i don't I don't know I would just i guess what I would say based on what we know, I would say they get saved here, when or the Lord activates them here yeah, it. and they knew about it yeah that's what I would say there's one hundred and forty four thousand witnesses they're all Jewish male virgins, and they are activated here. I would say that so but um those kind of things, see, those are the kind of things the Lord might straighten us out on later because uh, it's not real specific. All right, so we will reign with Christ if we suffer with him. So notice also Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6, and we'll get back to Revelation 20 after this. Revelation 1 verse 6, Jesus is speaking to the churches in the first three chapters, and then after that the church is gone never mentioned again in the book of Revelation till you get all the way to the end. And so, Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, notice here it says, uh, And hath made us kings and priests unto God. So a king is someone who reigns uh, unto God and his Father. Uh, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, we are going to reign with him if we suffer with him, you know. And, and so, eh, we have a little bit of time. Let's, let's do this. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. We can lose. There are people who will not be able to make it to the kingdom. Because in this age, they are uh, wicked sinners who will not repent and trust Christ. So, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul describes this. And verse 10, well, let's start at verse 9. So Paul talks about lost people here, and he also talks about Christians. If you study it closely and study the context, there's two people dealt with here. The unsaved, wicked people in the church age, the unbelievers, and believers are referred to here. So, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. We know what the effeminate is, all right? But the effeminate aren't the only ones that are sinful. It's also the fornicators. That's the straight people who are having sex outside of marriage, as well as the effeminate who are abusing themselves with mankind. Not abusers, uh, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So he's describing lost people in this world. And he says, such were some of you. But ye are washed. Okay? Uh, Ye are sanctified. Ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. In other words, all things are not expedient they're not, uh, they're not good for you. They're not helping you out. Um, and what Paul is dealing with here is that the, the people here that he described, it's obvious they're not going to be over here with any inheritance in the kingdom. But Christians here who do those things in the flesh can also l- lose their rewards and the privilege of reigning with Christ because they're not suffering with Christ. They're enjoying the pleasure of sin for a season. Does that make sense? So... That's just sound Bible teaching, and that's what's at stake. Somebody says, well, you you people who believe once saved, always saved. You're just trying to say that you can get saved and live any way you want to. No, that's not what we teach. I didn't. It's, yeah, it's not what Paul says. Yep. And so that's the full picture of all that. All right? Now the... Th- right, right. Amen. So... Yes, your Holy, the Holy Spirit changes your want-tos. Yeah, and the things you used to want to and the things you want to now are different, huh? Yeah, so the third group is back in Revelation 20, and we'll close there, Revelation 20. So you have the 12 apostles, you have church-age saints that suffer with Christ, and then you have, in Revelation 20, right there in the verse that we were looking at, verse 4, that's the tribulation saints, whether Jewish or Gentile, Tribulation saints, right there in verse four. So those are the three groups that Christ said, "I want you to reign with me." So the the moral of this whole thing is: be busy for the Lord now. We ought to be busy. Uh, everything that we do, it's like we're sending. It's like we're sending, uh, you know, things up ahead of us to God's storehouse. You know, sending rewards ahead of us, and and He wants us to work for rewards. He wants to reward us. And when somebody says, well, I'm not doing it for rewards, I'm just doing it for love of Christ. Well, okay, thank you, Mr. Spiritual, thank you for just making all of us, you know, feel bad for trying to serve the Lord for rewards. Here's the thing, when we're all standing around the judgment seat of Christ, the people who do have rewards, we're going to say those are the people that really loved him, that were really faithful to Jesus and willing to suffer for him. And the people without rewards, those are the people that love themselves. So Mr. Spiritual, yes, you should work for rewards. Okay. And uh, the story isn't over yet. So, and you say, well, I've blown it. No, you haven't. You, it's not, you're You—it's you not done. Uh, if you're still living and breathing, God's not done with you and God can use you. Uh, you can probably do more in, in a year, just totally sold out for the Lord <laughs> than, uh, you know, most people would do in their lifetime. All right. So let's look at Revelation chapter 20 and just verse five. I'm not going to Expound on it, just read it, and that's what we're going to look at next week. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So next week we're going to look at the first resurrection, and that's at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, and the second resurrection, which is at the end of the millennial kingdom. All right, we'll look at that next time. Uh, this was good tonight. thank you for like pointing out things and asking questions that really added to it tonight and we are yes, sir a question, Yes, they would be saved as a result of the cross because they 're going about preaching they 're preaching christ and I didn't know if they had saved by Yeah. Yes. 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 And um, so they they will be they'll have a different flavor, that's for sure, because they're not under Pauline uh, doctrine only. They're they're in a different setup. And so they will preach Christ and they will preach the law. So uh, but it'll all be based on Christ's redemption that he purchased for us. Oh, yeah. And we have a, we have a DVD that's Revelation Slides, or a collection of, uh, I think, almost 200 paintings uh, of depicting these events. And so, you know, we could do that for a movie night. Uh, that would be a good movie night. Maybe two movie nights, break it up over to two Sunday nights. And so it's, uh, it's very, very good. It has music along with it. Uh, not really any talking except quoting scripture. But we'll have to do that so you can kind of see it all. Living Caller. All right. Anything else? Okay, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for a good study tonight. And uh, Lord, for letting us kind of see a uh, panoramic view of these things. Uh, bring us along in our understanding. Help us to go home and to study these things and to be convinced from the Word of God. Lord, uh, that's what we really desire. It's what we want. Just to read the Bible, believe what it says, where it says it, as it says it, to believe it literally whenever possible uh, and father and to understand these things and so help us to be good students of the word of god and also to pass on what we know to others and lord we thank you for it most of all tonight we just thank you for your grace i thank you for saving us thank you for giving us your holy spirit and for giving us the holy scriptures and uh, for helping us to understand these things in jesus name amen amen